you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out. If you have a Bible app on your phone or iPad or UPad, uh, get that out. And, uh, and find with me the book of Romans, chapter 12. R Romans, chapter 12. Now let me remind you of, a, of an illustration I left you with previously about, about baking. Something I have, you know, lots of non-experience with. Uh, I understand that if you're trying to make bread, you have to have yeast or your bread won't rise. Right? Any bread makers in the house? All right. Uh, there is a similarity in our spiritual lives that there are necessary components that if left out will cause us to go flat, will uh, we'll remove the rising aspect of our lives. In other words, let me say it this way, without these necessary components, our gifts don't really work. The word doesn't really work. Our prayers don't go anywhere. Our relationship with God is severely lacking. Amen. Say, this sounds pretty serious. This is very, very serious, what I have to share with you today. An absolute need. See, you can tell when a person doesn't really value God's word. You, you, can, you can note when they don't really give a whole lot of weight to the gifts of God. Uh, sometimes it's, it's apparent outwardly. Sometimes as a, as a preacher, I can see it in your face while I'm speaking. <laughs> this person, they don't really care about what I'm talking about. They don't, they don't give it much weight in their life. And the thing about that is... Um, God won't, won't, won't bother you with it. <laughs> you won't be troubled with all his, his amazing gifts and blessings if you don't value them. Say, I, are you sure about that? I, I am. I know when a person has a ho-hum, whatever attitude towards important spiritual gifts and messages from God and his plan that they get passed over. You might recall Jesus made this statement. It's over in Matthew chapter 7. He, he, he said, Do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. You ever thought about that? Why wouldn't you give a dog something that's holy? That, that dog doesn't know the difference between holy and unholy. The dog doesn't appreciate holy things. The dog will treat everything as common. Everything's the same. There's no distinguishing this is more important than something else, right? And so you don't bother. Give holy things to those who can appreciate, who can value, who can respect holy things. Why don't you put a pearl in the pig's nose? Well, same thing again. The, pearl, the pig doesn't appreciate the pearl. The pig has no understanding of the value of a pearl. And uh, you could put a piece of gravel on the pig's nose. 
it would be just as happy or unhappy. <laughs> uh, it's not able to make it make a distinction there. But how many know we are supposed to do that? There should be an element in us where we do know the difference between holy and unholy. There should be an appreciation, a weight, a, a gravity, if you will, towards holy things. We should be able to identify uh, the difference between a pearl and a pebble. Yeah? And we should be able to say this is something of value here. And so we treat it with a corresponding respect. Amen. And so... I think some people are this way in life. They're this way with God. They limit their potential by a lack of honoring what is important. But again, now, I want you to consider these necessary ingredients. I want you to think about the yeast today, the yeast in your bread. And there is something that is of utmost importance. It is a vital component to make all things God, all things spiritual, all things in his kingdom really work. And it has to do with temperature. Your internal temperature is a vital component to making your prayers work, your gifts work, your relationship with God work. Uh, you can have extensive knowledge. You can even have an outstanding gift from God. But without the fire, you lack the, the needed component that propels you forward. There is a need for heat. Sometimes people are using what they have to a degree. But it's lacking its full potential manifestation because they're lacking heat. I know with uh, uh, cooking, again, one of my strong points. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I am, a, I am a, an expert, you could say. If you do anything, you know, like every day for five years, you're considered an expert in that. I am an expert in oatmeal. <laughs> I know, and I can tell you this firsthand. I, I have experience. You have to boil <laughs> the oatmeal. And, of course, if you want to do it really well and keep those little oatmeals <laughs> in good condition, yet soft, yet you have to boil the water first. If you mix it with and it's cold, it gets mushy. All right. I, I know you came to church to hear that, and I, I just wanted to bless you with my... But how many know, if you want to cook oatmeal, you have to, ha you have to get it to a certain temperature. It has to boil to turn out right. Uh, my wife yesterday was making candy. She does that this time of year. And uh, she makes her annual Christmas candies. The one I like is the toffee with the chocolate on it, you know, and the toffee. and mm. <laughs> But I understand to make that, you have to get it to a certain temperature. Otherwise, you're just going to have soup. <laughs> it's not going to turn out the way you intended it, it to turn out. You need the right and proper amount of heat. All right. Did you find Romans 12? I want you to notice with me in verse 11 of Romans 12, Paul writes here, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit. Everybody say that out loud with me. Say fervent in 
in spirit. Yeah. Would you describe your life that way? Would you describe your relationship with God, how you serve him? Would you say, I am fervent in spirit? Or would others look at you? Would others that are close to you, would they describe you this way and say, man, they are a fervent in spirit kind of person, the way they do life, the way they serve God, the way they approach him. There's a fervency about them. If not, you're in the right place. And if so, you'll be encouraged even more. This is a description of a proper way to serve God. Just like anything, there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. And let's not fall to the, the political correctness of our age saying, oh, you just serve God however you want. That is crazy. You serve God how he wants. That's kind of the definition of G-O-D. So there's a right way to serve him, and there's a wrong way. Here's the right way. Fervency. Listen to this. I want to read this to you from several translations. The Amplified reads, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. What should describe our spiritual life? Aglow and burning with the Spirit. Okay? New International Version reads, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I need to have something in my life called spiritual fervor. And what do I need to do? Keep it. That reveals to me that I could have had spiritual fervor in the past, but lost it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be instructed to keep it. It's not a one and done. If you have it ever, you have it forever. No, this spiritual fervor comes and goes. And it's possible for someone to have had much spiritual fervor, but today have lost it. Amen. And your oatmeal's gross. <laughs> And your candy is soft. The, the Living Bible reads, But serve the Lord enthusiastically. So I serve the Lord. Do you serve him enthusiastically? Do, do people around you, would they say that you serve the Lord enthusiastically? That's the direction. Uh, Philip's translation reads, Let us... Uh, let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for God. Keep the fires burning. The easy-to-read version says, be excited about serving Him. Have you ever known a Christian? They said, oh, I'm a, I've received the Lord, I'm a Christian. But they weren't excited, when they, even when they told you that. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm safe. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. What are you doing Sunday? Uh, I'm going, I guess I'll go to church. You ever met that person? <laughs> They're serving the Lord wrong. They might be serving the Lord. They might be truly saved. I'm not here to make that judgment. But they're doing it wrong. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you know, some things just, just don't work unless you have these components. They just really don't. Let me read one more. This is the, the Passion Translation. I'll read the whole verse. It says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Wow. Isn't that good? This is the proper way to serve God. We cannot afford 
to be ho-hum about the Lord and about his kingdom and our service towards him. It is just the wrong way to do this. Have you, some of you are mechanical or you build or you fix things and, and you've come across people before who were working with a particular project and you knew it well and he said, you told them, you're using the wrong tool. You're doing that backward. If you'll do it this other way, you'll have much more success, right? Is it true that some people are doing Christianity wrong? They are. It's not my judgment that they're not truly saved, but they're just not doing it right. Amen. Now, let me show you an example. Uh, Jesus, go, if you have your Bible, go to John chapter 2. So, left turn. Left turn to the book of John chapter 2. And, and notice this example of how Jesus conducted himself. Verse 13, John 2, 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who were those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers were doing business when he had made a whip of cords he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables and he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Now, I don't know if you commonly think of Jesus and envision this scene. More often, we might see him holding a child. We picture, we picture him laying hands on the sick teaching, you know, in a small group, or maybe teaching in a multitude, but uh, we, we see him doing some of these things. This is also something that happened. Actually, he did this twice. He didn't take the first time. Did it at the beginning of his ministry and then, and then later. Uh, but Jesus going into the temple, think about that, flipping over tables, flinging a whip, and saying, probably not in calm tones, get this mess out of here. You bunch of thieves, get this stuff out of my father's house. Jesus was upset with them. Here's how the disciples responded to that as they're watching Jesus go to town. <laughs> Something's going in there through their mind. And it says in verse 17, Then his disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. The psalmist prophesied about Jesus that this would be one of his characteristics. Zeal for the house of God would eat him up or consume him. Amen. I remember reading this to my kids when they were young and we read this at the table. Zeal for your house is eating me up. And they looked up. I forget which one looked up. That was quite confusing. So I told them, you have to watch out for the zeals. They'll eat you up. They're coming. <laughs> But, no, but this word zeal comes from uh, the Greek word, which is similar, uh, zelos. And it means heat. It means to be hot. What was, what was happening in Jesus as he looked at the, the house of, of, of God, the, the Father's house? Something inside him burned. 
he came to a boiling point. It was the zeal for the house. It was hot within him. Why would he do something so extreme? Jesus, settle down. Why are you so uh, stirred up about this? Zeal consumed him and propelled him to act the way he did. He had no casual, passive approach to his father's business. Amen. Amen. And you know this, think about the life of Jesus. He would do things. He would at times pray all night. That's no casual prayer right there. That's no, that's no five-minute sit-down. He would, he would show mercy to sinners. He would heal multitudes. He would call out hypocrites. Amen. He would make a whip, sit down and carefully make a whip and take it to the temple and start swinging it at crooks. Same Jesus. Heal the sick, let the whip fly. <laughs> Say, man, this guy is kind of wild, isn't he? Yeah? Yeah? And he's the same Jesus who died a torturous, horrible death voluntarily. Took it upon himself so we could be saved. Jesus wasn't always this mild-mannered teacher. Was he? Sure. But he was also consumed with zeal for the Lord's house. John 7, 37 shows us he was preaching one day. It says, on the, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I want you to consider the tone, the manner in which Jesus made this great statement of salvation. It says, he, he cried out. That's not a little mousy voice. He cried out. That, that, that word translated there, it, it uses, the Greek uses the, the, the language of croak as a raven. <laughs> it's a strange, strange word. But, it, you know, it means to scream, to call aloud, to exclaim. This is the way Jesus was preaching. He is yelling out this word of anyone who thirsts, let him come to me. Jesus carried himself with some very real fire and passion from deep within to do the will of his Father. How many recognize that we don't really get anyone's attention without zeal. We, if you're a believer already, I am, we're not going to get the attention of the world without this zeal, without this boiling happening internally in our lives. There has got to be a fire within us if we're ever going to make a difference in this world. I am not attracted to someone who's bored. I am not moved to action by someone who's sleepy-eyed and can hardly keep their, they can hardly keep my attention. Are you with me now? This phrase, eaten me up, I may have mentioned it means to, to be consumed or to burn hot within. It controls him. Zeal for the house has, was burning hot within Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what eats you up? 
What would you say? Man, that just eats me up. Man, that just burns within me. Maybe, you know, maybe it's when you're watching your favorite TV show and it gets preempted by a sporting event. Man, that just gets me. <laughs> maybe it's when your food isn't perfect. Ah, oh, man, that just eats me up. You know, you go to a restaurant, you order something, and it comes out wrong. There are people that respond to that with great fervor. They're upset. It ruins their day. I can't believe they got this wrong. Okay, well, it shows where your zeal is. You have a zeal for perfect food. Or you have a zeal for your favorite activity or TV show or, or something like that. But I want to suggest that your relationship with God is not going to thrive if that's your zeal. If that's what burns you, that's the fire within you. Let me give you some other su su suggestions. What, what about the, the fact that people are going to hell? Does that bother you? Does that eat you up? Man, it bugs me. What makes you get up out of bed in the morning? What about, what, what about the, the reality of a, of a present tense slumbering body of Christ? Where people can yawn at the things of God. God speaks and people yawn. God works and people check their mail. I, what burns in you? What's, what's the fire in your belly here today? Amen. I think it's time to make God's business more of a weighty thing in our lives. It's supposed to be. This is how Christianity works. It's to be a weighty thing in our lives. You can be, you can be zealous for the wrong thing. That happens. There are, pe there are zealots in the world today, and they'll kill you because <laughs> they, they have zeal without knowledge. They're living in deception, and they're on fire for the wrong thing. They get the world's attention, but harm is the result. But what if you attached this fire to the truth? You attached it to real knowledge of God. What if you took a person gifted by God? They have the gift and the knowledge of the gift, and then you light it up. Can you say boom? This is an explosive force for God. Yes, it is. What I, I think about people who go camping, or or maybe they you know create a bonfire or something in their you know in their yard, and that what they'll often do is get everything prepared and get the wood there and get the kindling there and get everything the way it's supposed to be. And as soon as it's ready, then you light it up. Then you light the fire. I believe that's been happening in in many of our hearts. Even in recent months, God has been preparing us. We've been getting the wood in place and getting all the necessary components there. But it's not finished yet. Well, I've really been studying. Good for you. You study. You learn. It's time to light the thing up. Yeah, it's, we must have that fire in us in order for this to truly be what it is supposed to be. Uh, a pastor, friend of mine, shared with me uh, years ago about a roommate that he had. 
uh, when, you know, he was, they were going to Bible school and so forth. And he said, I was roommates with this guy. And he said, every morning he was up 6 a.m. praying and not praying in a mild way. <laughs> he would be up praying loud and bold and praying for at least an hour every morning. So it was no choice here. This is going to, you're up. <laughs> it's like, you know, when I was in the Philippines uh, last year, um, every morning, it seemed like it got light really early, or, but ar, 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 <laughs> there's these roosters in the area, and they totally wake you up. And uh, anyway, he would be woken up by this guy praying loud and bold and strong every morning. It's like, can't you just get on your knees and just speak quietly to the Lord? But, but, what, but this guy, you know what happened to him? He turned out to be a fiery world evangelist. Won many people to the Lord. God used him tremendously. There was something about him that lent towards him being used like that. When I was in, in Bible school, there was a period of time where uh, there, was, there was these guys, maybe ladies too. I, don't, uh, I remember some of the guys because I knew them. Uh, but in between classes... You know, we'd have a class and then 10 minutes and then a class and 10 minutes. In between classes, they weren't talking with their friends and hanging out in the hallway and doing that normal kind of stuff. What they would do is they would walk the halls bold and loud and somewhat fast, praying loud in tongues. <laughs> now, at the time, part of me rolled my eyes because, you know, there was a real extreme emphasis in those days on warfare, uh, spiritual warfare. Now, there's some Bible truth there, but they kind of went to the extreme and everything was all about the volume and, and, and all about that kind of stuff. But these guys would walk the halls and do that. Even though I wasn't fully on board with it, looking back, I still see something I value and appreciate. These guys were stirred up. These guys had a passion for the things of God. They, I mean, you've got 10 minutes to take a break. I don't have time to go to the bathroom. I've got to pray. And there was something about their fire that was contagious. Something about that zeal for the Lord that was all-consuming. And I think if we add knowledge to that, it's a powerful force for God. Now, I understand that fire and zeal are not synonymous with volume, okay? I'm not implying that. I also want to say, however, I have a recommendation for you today. And my recommendation is this, is that you add some volume. Amen. Not at all times. I'm not saying 100% of the time, but I'm saying add some volume to your prayers, Add some volume to your worship. Add some volume to, and, and see what happens. So you mean like at volume like figuratively, right? I mean literally. I mean decibels. I mean lift your voice and see how it, how it has an impact in your life. This is something that is, that is consistently taught through this book. Let me give you a couple examples. Don't turn there. I'll just, I'll just give you these verses. Psalm 66, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to God all the earth. 
How many know if you read the Psalms, you can find that in a bunch of places? There is something about praise, not just being spoken, but being spoken loudly. We lift our voice and we shout to God. Yes, we do. <laughs> There's something about it that's, I tell you, God's all over it. In the early church, after the Christians there were threatened not to preach the gospel anymore, they got together, and it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 24, uh, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. What did they do? They didn't lower their voice. Said, guys, this is really serious. And we all got real quiet, and we prayed. No, that's not how they prayed. They were threatened, and they raised their voice to an appropriate level, to an appropriate volume. Yeah. Think we ought to do that? Or, or does, it, does it take a threatening before we're going to shout? Do we have to be threatened with whips and beatings and being thrown in prison before we lift our voice to God and pray in an appropriate way? I say we can do it just because we decide to. I say we can let that fire burn on the inside of us and just because we want to, we're going to lift our voice and pray like we mean it and serve God like he's truly God and he's on the throne. I say we can do that just because. <laughs> so what's up with you guys and all your shouting and all your loudness? We just like to. Revelation 19 and verse 1. Reads, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Do you know what's coming in our future? Loudness. <laughs> Do you know, I'm not saying with, to the exclusion of quiet, those are also valuable and important and, and, and biblical. But loud is all over the scripture. It really is. Uh, we could take a whole hour just going over that. Uh, you know, I, sometimes Christians will describe their, their prayer life, their prayer disciplines as their quiet time. Ever heard that? No, I'm fine with that. I get quiet before the Lord. I'm gonna, they say, I'm going to have my quiet time with the Lord. I'm wondering, well, when's you, when are you going to have your loud time? I think maybe we ought to flip the verbiage over on its head just for a couple years. And just say, so, so what have you been doing this morning? Well, I had my loud time with the Lord. <laughs> what do you mean your loud time? I mean the time when I, I, I praised him like he deserved it. I mean, I shouted like I really had the victory in Christ. That means I let his name be known and come out of my mouth without sounding like a mouse. That time, my loud time with the Lord. <laughs> I think we should be done with mousy prayers. I really do. I, I'm convinced this has an, has an effect upon our lives. There are, man, there's more to say. I don't think we should take our, our, our lead, our cue, our example of what it means to, to serve God from generations gone by in the past that were completely void of power. You realize the church of the Lord, other than pockets here and there, but there were large segments of the body of Christ for hundreds of years, and they had no fire. They had no power. 
the baptism in the Spirit was, they were unaware of it. They didn't know, they didn't practice it. And so many times we've taken our cues, this is how you sing to the Lord, we've taken it from that. I'd rather go back to Pentecost. I'd rather go back to the early days. Amen. There is a tremendous value in simply being excited about something. You know it's true. You know it's true in life, in business. It's true in the kingdom of God. Just being excited about God will make the word work for you. I feel saddened for those who hear the word and go, ah, that's nice. We about done? Why, why do I feel saddened? Because you're going to struggle. It's not going to work for you. You're not going to know what real Christianity is. That's not the way God intended for this to work. When a person not only possesses ability, but they also possess motivation, they're going to go far. There are in the world today people with knowledge and ability, and they're homeless. There are individuals who are talented, professional-level athletes without a contract. There are entrepreneurs working minimum wage jobs. There are gifted parts of the body of Christ that are bearing no fruit. What do they need? Heat. They need heat. They need to turn up the temperature. Yes, they do. Someone said, I've been struggling in life, man. I've had just problem after problem after problem. It seems like the devil hangs out in my house, lives wherever I go. Are you listening to me now? Flies don't land on a hot stove. And if you want to knock the junk out of your life, turn up the heat, man. Make it so uncomfortable. No devil from hell wants to hang around your house because you get up early and pray loud. Amen. When you praise, there's, a, there's some volume in the house. There's some fervency. There's, there's a boiling point happening in your heart. It's not just outward. It's not just put on. It's not just mental. It's a true spiritual fire in your belly. No demon from hell wants to hang around that. <laughs> Amen. And these things are up to us. Praise God. <laughs> All right, new series. If you're writing the title, here's a new series. It's called, it's called, uh, what should I call it? <laughs> Fired Up. <laughs> Amen. And... You know, before we finish today, in a, in a minute, uh, you think we could turn up the heat together? Yes. Think we could do a little exercise, a little, we could practice this, yes. and we go out of here with a spiritual fire that we didn't come in with? Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise God. If you're